Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. Okay, for those of you that listened last week and the week before and the week before, you'll know that I've been a little bit sick and I just want to say thanks for the prayers because I feel a little bit better. But with that being said, (coughs) I still have a little cough, but it's much better now. Uh, If you know me, I always kind of have a little cough. So I'm used to it. Um, I wish it would go away, but it won't. So whatever, enough complaining. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in again to the podcast. Uh, It means so much that you are listening. Uh, You rock. A couple cool things we have going on that I've been maybe telling you about. Uh, Let me jump on the internet here on my phone. I'm going to go to diff.church, which is the best way to connect with us. And from there, you can click the I'm new button. You can talk to us if you want to uh, pray about anything, if you want us to be praying for you. Um, You can sign up for groups. You can give or you can click on events, which is what I want to tell you about. We've got a couple things coming up that are really cool. Uh, This Saturday is the Pride Parade. And this Sunday is um, a Pride event that we are looking for volunteers for. So go to diff.church and you can click on details for either of those. But the big one that I want to tell you about is July 10th. We are having a guest speaker, James Battaglia. Uh, Super excited to hear them speak. You're going to love it. Make sure you're there. Uh, One of my favorite things about our church is that anytime uh, one of our people gets on stage, uh, we always show up to support. So let's do it. Let's be there and let's rock the house. And afterwards, we are all going roller skating. I sadly will not be able to go because I'm leaving town that day after church. I am very mad because I played hockey for many years and I am a demon on roller skates. So sadly, you will miss that. But make sure you're there. It's going to be a great time. Um, also, this coming Sunday is one of our favorite things that we do. It's called Biography. We are turning the microphone over to, I believe we have four different speakers this time, plus Hannah, and uh, each one is going to be telling a personal story centered around the same theme. We do a different one every time, and this one, the theme is hope. Uh, I'm really pumped about it. I think it's going to be an awesome day. Uh, Again, um, if you're able to come in person, uh, that would be awesome because we love to support anybody who has the courage to get up on stage and tell their story. All right, uh, let us jump into Hannah's message here. We are on our second and final uh, week of going through Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. This morning, we are going to continue to reflect on Glennon Doyle's words from her fabulous book, Untamed. And I know quite a few of you really felt that last week's message was very meaningful. And if you found it meaningful or if you find today's message meaningful, I just highly recommend that you check out her books and her work and her podcast titled We Can Do Hard Things. So what are we talking about today? Today is titled, On Being Brave and Trusting Ourself in the Vast Expanse of Human Sexuality. So we only have like 20 minutes, so we're going to cover all of that. Don't worry. I don't think being brave means what we've been saying it means. I love this. Listen. I love the sound of babies. Why? Because they just live their life. They're so in the present moment. They Like when they're mad, they're really mad, right? But when they're happy, they're really happy. And we get mad for like one second. And then we're like, my day is ruined. 
I'm going to be wallowing here <laughs> until my nervous system calms down in approximately 1.7 hours. And kids are like, hello, welcome to the world. I love you. I hate you. Oh, we are fine. <laughs> and I think we need to be more like that. We tell our kids that being brave means feeling afraid and doing it anyway. Have you heard this? I don't think that's really the definition we want to carry as they get older. Because do we really want them to feel strongly against something or strongly uncomfortable with something and then just do it anyway because they're being brave? Do we want them to take like that drink of the party when they don't want to because they're doing it anyway and being brave? Do we want them to like not speak up in a toxic work environment because they're doing it anyway? Being brave does not mean doing it anyway. Being brave means living from the inside out. It means in every uncertain moment, finding what your truth is at your core and speaking it out loud. And whether you are brave or not cannot actually be judged by other people at all. Sometimes being brave means letting the crowd think you're a coward. Sometimes being brave means disappointing every person in the world except yourself. Being brave means trusting yourself. But how? What if what we want is going to get us in trouble? What if we've spent our whole lives and our church lives distrusting ourselves? What if we have listened to what we thought was our inner voice in the past and it did get us in trouble? <laughs> what if the Bible verse from Jeremiah that's like, the heart is wicked above all things? No, that's not right. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It's much worse than the one that I was quoting. What if that's like burned into your psyche and like every moment you're like, nope, can't trust myself. Nope, my heart is lying to me. Nope, I have to pray about this because God's gonna tell me a different way than what I actually think. How? Okay, this is how. We have to ask all of our desires on the surface, what is the desire beneath this desire? Because our deep desires are almost always true and beautiful and things we can grant ourselves without causing harm. Like following our deep desires always will return us to integrity. If your desire feels wrong to you, you need to go deeper. You can trust yourself, you just have to sink low enough. Because we have to find out what is it we really want. What is it that you really want? Because deep down, I think all of us collectively want things like, we want a break. We want to sleep. That one's for me. We want good food, and good relationships, and good sex. Take a breath, it's fine. We're all adults, mostly. <laughs> or we came from that very act, so. We want relationships that have no lies. We want to be comfortable in our own skin. We want to experience faith and God fully without shame. We want to be seen and loved for who we really are. We want joy and safety for our children and for everyone else's children. We want help. <laughs> we want enough money and power to stop feeling afraid. We want to find our purpose and live it. We want to look at the people in our lives and really see them and really know them. We want to look at ourselves in the mirror and really see ourselves and really love ourselves. Does any of that sound wrong to you? How many of you are like, you know what that sounds like? Satan. The devil is putting the desire for wanting a break and to have a good relationship in my heart. No. Our deep desires are always going to return us to integrity and to love, but we have to get deeper than the surface level and stop hitting the easy button. 
What is an easy button? An easy button is what makes us feel good in the moment, such as drinking, binging, shopping, snarking. I feel personally attacked by that one. Um, <laughs> comparing, scrolling online endlessly, inhaling loads of sugar, and passing out on the couch. These are easy buttons. They make us feel better like that. They don't fix the desire that's underneath. We, what we need are reset buttons. We need things like drinking more water. <laughs> and everyone with a giant cup of coffee says amen. <laughs> we need things like taking a walk, taking a shower, taking um, a yoga class, being with your faith community, meditating, going to the beach, hugging your dog, playing with your kids, hiding your phone. We are so afraid that we can't trust ourselves, but we've never given ourselves a chance to trust ourselves. And we're afraid that if we just give ourselves what we want, we're going to jump straight off the deep end, which we might if we don't stop and sink and find out what it is that's beneath the surface. What is, what is it that you need? Is it rest? Because a drink's not going to fix that. Is what you need connection with other humans? Because social media is not going to fix that. You know what you need. You just have to find it. And we just wander around feeling lost in the woods. We are not lost in the woods. We are the trees. You are your own tree. You have to reach down deep in the soil. And the soil is made up of every person you've ever been and every face you've ever loved and every book you've read and conversation you've had and song you've sung and concert you've been to and poet, poetry you've seen. Everything in your life, nothing is wasted. All the pain you've been through, all the happiness you've been through is down there in the soil. It's fertilizer for you to grow. No one else can see it. Only you can see it. Draw on it and reach up. We are like a tree, because we are soft and pulpy on the inside. <laughs> but we have some bark on the outside to keep us safe, right? We're exposed. People can touch us, but we're safe. We have bark. Have we internalized that, that we are actually safe, that we can be safe? Because I don't think we have, and I'll tell you why. I ask people, I'm like, do you know that you are safe? And they're like, yep, yep. I don't believe you. Do you want to know why? Because we are so defensive, so defensive all the time. Defensiveness is for people who are afraid that what they have can be taken from them. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you are a grown person. You can have what you want. No one can take this from you, except you. Explaining is fear making its case, and we are not on trial. You cannot convince people you are okay by talking incessantly about how okay you are. The only way to convince other people that you are okay is to just be okay. Just live your life. Be okay. And let them witness it. You are a grown adult. You do not need to convince other people. I had an opportunity to practice this last night because we got one of those rando Facebook messages where someone was like, you're sending people to hell. And I really wanted to be like, let me just explain to you what we're doing here and how important it is. And then Jarrett was like, don't. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I literally had to, why am I explaining to some random person on the internet who does not, is not part of this community, doesn't care at all, what we're doing? I have no need to explain what we're doing. We're living it, right? Are we willing to lose things in people that make us abandon parts of ourselves? 
that makes us hide parts of ourselves. Because the truth is, it doesn't really matter what you think of my life, but it matters very much what you think of your life. We are wasting so much time judging other people all the time, and judgment is just another cage we live in so that we don't have to feel and know and question our own lives. We are not here to waste time. <laughs> We're not, you are not here to waste your time, your precious lifetime, as we talked about last week, as if we had more than one. You're not here to waste your precious life deciding whether my life is beautiful and true enough for you. You are here to decide whether your life is beautiful and true enough for you. And if it is not, then we need to have the guts, the right, maybe even the duty, the sacred duty, to burn it to the ground. Jared, are you laughing because I said duty? <laughs> sacred duty. Sacred duty. <laughs> You're ruining the moment. <laughs> what We have to be willing to let go of the things that are not true and beautiful enough and be willing to get started building what is true and beautiful enough, whether it's your job or your relationships or your calling in life, or your sexuality, or your faith. And I want to tell you a story that Glennon told in Untamed. So she had come out, and she was after that, shortly after that, having this town hall meeting somewhere in the Midwest. And there was like a 1,000 people in the audience. Almost all women, a couple of men, few babies. And at the end, there was a Q&A, and this person in the back raised their hand, and it was a little old lady <laughs> with short gray hair and like deep wrinkles and an American flag sweatshirt with grandma on puffy paint. <laughs> and she was like, Ugh. so she gets the mic and she's like, her hands are shaking as she asks this question. Her question is, hi, um, I've been following your work for 10 years, and I came here to ask you a question I'm afraid to ask anyone else. Great start. <laughs> she said, I feel confused because my nephew is now my niece and my I, I love him, her. And my granddaughter took a boy to the prom last year, and she's taking a girl this year. And now you're gay, too. And I don't mean any offense. It's just, why is everyone so gay all of a sudden? <laughs> and as you can imagine, everyone in the room got very stressed. <laughs> very stressed. All of the liberal, woke people were like, you cannot say that, you cannot ask that question, and then everyone else was like, but why is everyone so gay all of a sudden? <laughs> we, can, we didn't ask that. Was that offensive? Was that a wrong thing to say? Everyone's stressed. The old lady's very stressed. Uh, Glennon is feeling everyone's collective stress, and she's like, okay, tell me your name. Thank you for asking that question, but you, you were not too afraid to admit that you have this question, because unasked questions become prejudices. Thank you for asking the question. Tell me your name, and she's like, Joanne, and she's like... Okay, I do know why everyone's so gay all of a sudden. So it's dang GMOs, Joanne. <laughs> and then the whole room laughed, which is what was needed because everyone was very stressed. And some people apparently were laughing so hard they were crying. But I'm like, I mean, it's funny, but isn't that funny? Apparently it's that funny when you ask a question that people want to know the answer to but aren't afraid to ask themselves. Blessed are, blessed are the people who are not afraid to make things awkward. <laughs> and... It feels good to laugh, doesn't it? To remember that, like, no, it's not really all that terrifying. This is just life, and we're just trying to figure it out together. And we have taken this wild, like, there's this wild, mysterious force in the world 
and we can't explain it. And it involves faith, and it involves love, and it involves sexuality, and we are uncomfortable with our inability to comprehend these things. So we take it, like we take, for example, wild faith, this mysterious, undefinable, unexplainable thing that flows between humans and God, and we have packaged it into religion. And then we've taken wild sexuality, which is this mysterious, undefinable thing that flows between humans, and we, can't, we have a really hard time explaining what it is, and we have packaged it into sexual identities. It's like water in a glass. Faith is water, religion is a glass. Sexuality is water, sexual identities are a glass. And we created glasses to try to contain something that's uncontainable. Do you think an ocean fits in a glass? No. <laughs> but we said to people, there are two. You can be straight or you can be gay. Pick one. These are your two glasses. By the way, just in case you weren't thinking of choosing wisely, if you pick the gay glass, you will probably be ostracized by your community and rejected by your faith community and unprotected by the law. So choose wisely. So people poured themselves their wide oceans into these little narrow glasses of, because that's what was expected. And many people have lived these lives of quiet desperation, suffocated in their tiny little space. And someone, somewhere, sometime decided that enough was enough. And she was like, listen, I have imagined, I have sunk deep enough to know that what I really want is to be free. That what I really want is to be able to not hide parts of myself. And she raised her hand and said, I imagine a place where there is an unseen order where I can be free and where everyone else can be free. And she said, those labels don't fit me, and I don't want to squeeze myself into this stupid glass anymore. And e neither of those glasses fit. I don't know what fits, but it's not those. But I'll figure it out. And then someone else heard her speak and was like, oh, maybe I'm not broken. Maybe it's the system of glasses that's broken. And then he raised his hand. And then there was another hand, and then another hand, and then another hand. And eventually there's a sea of hands, and some are waving, and some are shaking, and some are in fists. <laughs> it's a chain reaction of freedom. Gayness is not contagious, in case you were worried. Freedom is contagious. Now, in the name of freedom, we have added some more glasses. <laughs> we're like, okay, we got it. Those two glasses don't fit, so how about... Here is a bisexual glass for you and a non-binary glass for you. And we've created a glass for every letter in the alphabet. And that's better, but it's still not exactly right because some glasses still come with fewer rights and greater burdens. And some people still can't find a glass to fit in. None of the glasses fit them. And maybe instead of adding more glasses, we can stop trying to contain people inside glasses. Um, Perhaps eventually we'll just rid ourselves of the glass system entirely because humanness is fluid. It's no glasses. It's all water. Please hear me. I'm not saying that, like, identity is wrong, that labels are wrong. I think they give people belonging and meaning and community, and that is very important. So I'm not saying we abandon it. But I am saying, can we just maybe stop trying so hard to understand the mystery of human sexuality? And be like, ah, do you know what we need on this? More research. Maybe instead we can just listen to ourselves and listen to each other without fear. We, maybe we can just let people be who they are 
and believe that the freer every person is, the freer we all become. Maybe our understanding of sexuality can become as fluid as sexuality itself. Like, I think we need to remember, like during Pride Month, but like especially for the whole year, that no matter how inconvenient it is for us to let people out of their glasses, it's worth it because it will save lives. But it's scary. Yeah. Um, letting things burn is always scary. <laughs> Freedom is always scary at first because it comes disguised as chaos. And we're like, no, this not. I thought when freedom, I thought when I finally was myself and I could just be myself and no lies and no hiding, that it would feel amazing. But it actually, it feels really uncertain and kind of terrifying for a while. But progress is just perpetually undoing these no longer true enough systems so that we can create a system that is more true. And then when that one hits limits, when that one hits the walls of the glass, then we undo it and we can create a new system and we continually expand so that people can be free. People are not changing. It's just that for the first time, people have enough freedom to stop changing who they are. Maybe courage and bravery is not just refusing to be afraid of ourselves, but to refusing to be afraid of each other. Maybe we can stop trying to find common ground. <laughs> just let everyone be. You're the water. Just be the water. Now, how does this relate to faith? Glennon told this story of her wife, Abby. If you don't know, she's married to Abby Wambach, who is an Olympian soccer player. Um, and they had visited a church, and Abby is not a fan of church for a myriad of reasons, like many people, not a fan of church. And she said, I don't feel comfortable in church because when I was little, I knew that I was gay, and I had to choose church and God or myself. And I chose myself. And so she's been unhappy and uncomfortable around church ever since. And Glennon said, and I'm going to tell you exactly what she said because it's so profound. She said, yes, when you were little, your heart turned away from the church in order to protect yourself. You remained whole instead of letting them dismember you. You held on to who you were born to be instead of contorting yourself into who they told you to be. You stayed true to yourself instead of abandoning yourself. And when you shut down your heart to church, you did it to protect God in you. You thought the decision made you bad, but the decision made you holy. You did not choose yourself instead of God in the church. You chose yourself and God instead of the church. When you left the church, you took God with you. God is in you. I think the miracle of grace is that we can give freely what was never given to us. We, we do not get our capacity to love and accept and live truthfully from our parents or our church or our friends. They're not your source. Your source is God. Could we live for a little while as if life were a little less precarious than it is? Could we pretend that people are better than they are? That our kids are tougher than we think they are? As if generally things generally work themselves out, can we just pretend that that is the case? Of course not. That is reckless. 
and irresponsible <laughs> because things do not work them out, work themselves out. We work them out. We work them out, and if we do not work them out, then there is no working them out, and all we have is chaos. I feel like you should say amen to that. Hmm. The, the non-controlling person in here said amen. <laughs> I am very controlling. I want to control things. This is because I am afraid. <laughs> Life is very precarious, right? Life is very scary, and therefore, controlling the people that I love and the things that I love feels like the very responsible thing to do. What would happen if we just tried? Like, what would happen if we took lots of deep breaths and we started meditating daily and praying daily and maybe we went to therapy to deal with some of our junk that we're carrying around with us and if we waited for things to fall apart but then we kept waiting? What would happen if we waited for everything to fall apart but actually things started working out and then we just started feeling kinder and happier and more relaxed? Would we be happy about it? Or would we be annoyed? because we've discovered that control is an illusion. We are so afraid. We're so afraid of letting go because we don't want to give up control. We never had control. We just had anxiety. Control is not love. Control is the opposite of love because control leaves no room for trust. And love without trust is not love at all. So how do we get there? How do we get from this place to that place, from control to freedom, from glasses that don't fit our whole selves to the ocean? How do we get from feeling unsure and second-guessing everything we know to being brave and actually living grounded in ourselves? How do we get from defending our lives and our choices to simply living in the way that feels right? How do we get from questioning everything about God and faith and living in this uncertain limbo where we're just not sure, like we think God loves us, but we're just not sure deep down, to actually just living as though God loves us and we are beautifully and wonderfully made and we are who we are supposed to be and we can always grow, of course, but we're just growing more fully into who we're supposed to be. I think the only way is to ask a very simple question and this is the question. Whatever the thing is that you are questioning, this thing that I've been taught about God, about faith, about people, about relationships, about sexuality, about the Bible, about everything, this thing, does it fit with what I know from my core about love? 1 John 4, 7 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God for God is love. Does that thing that you are questioning fit with what you know from your roots about love? Does it fit with what you know from your roots to not accept yourself? Does it fit with what you know from your roots to not accept other people? Does it fit with what we know about God to make people fit into these little itty bitty containers and to keep them from being the wide expanse of belonging and amazingness that humans are? Does it fit? your faith to be God in a box? Because if yes, embrace it. But if no, open your hands, open your heart, open your soul, and take a deep breath, and then change it. 
change your thoughts, change your feelings, embrace the process and the questions and the discomfort and the chaos of freedom and live. Choose yourself and God. It will feel uncomfortable, but you have to let it burn. And you can burn and live. And then out of the ashes, something more true and more beautiful will rise. Out of what's left, something more holy will come. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. We have two more songs. If you want to stand and sing with us, and just reflect on that while we sing.